Our Bible reading is once again printed in the news about, so you might like to get that now and follow along. So let's hear from God's word this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 23 to 24, firstly. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. And now over to Romans chapter 14. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat, because their eating is faith. And everything that does not come from faith is sin. Romans 15. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbours for their good to build them up. Amen. Uh, Thank you for that, Jenny. I should have had you come into my office and read the Bible to me like that uh, so that I would have understood it better before I started preparing the message. They're so beautifully read with such great emphasis and uh, what an amazing, beautiful reading and great passages for us to think about today. Heavenly Father, as we pause now to, we sit before your holy word, Lord, but we sit under your holy word because your word has authority over us because it is the word of God and you have ultimate authority over our lives. So Lord, give us listening ears. Uh, give us pliable hearts to receive it and heavenly father obedient lives to live out what your word tells us to do today and we thank you dear god that whenever we do that it is good for us it is good for others and it is always to your glory in jesus name amen i heard recently a big name was coming to town And it was pitched to me that I should go and hear this big name coming to town uh, because as they were getting on, it may be the only time that you ever get to see them or hear them. So I thought, oh, well, on spec, it's worth going, isn't it? Uh, That is a guy called Oz Guinness. Um, He does claim that he is related to the brewing company. So he does he does his little family tree thing. Uh, He was sober at the time. but he does say that he's part of that Guinness family uh, from Ireland. So I've got no idea what Oz stands for, probably Oswald or something. I have no idea. 
means something. He said a couple of things that just profoundly confused me. Actually, he talked about the concept of freedom, uh, freedom from and freedom to. Freedom from these things and freedom, therefore, to do other things. And then he said something that I had to take away and chew on for quite some days. And he said, the greatest threat to freedom is freedom. You having the same response as I had when I was sitting there? The greatest threat to freedom is freedom. So, Os Guinness is an interesting guy. He's a social critic. He's an author born uh, in China to missionary parents. He's educated in England. He has a PhD for Oxford, from Oxford in social sciences. So he's an academic. He's in the world of social sciences. He studies systems and political things. And, of course, is a profound Christian author as well. And so as I thought about this, what does this mean, This the greatest threat to freedom is freedom? Then it occurred to me, and the penny started to drop, when I use my freedom to make choices that damage others, I'm no longer walking in love. When I use my freedom to make choices that damage others, I'm no longer walking in love, and my use of freedom has actually threatened or impinged on the freedom of others. You know, in our Bible passages, go. I have the right to do anything. In that first passage, when you're looking at it, we're going to be referring back again and again to the Scripture. And then, I have the right to do anything. And then the Apostle argues, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Uh, I was a youth worker back in the day when I was youthful long time ago and in the 1980s I had a really great bunch of youth leaders working with me uh, but one of them clearly to me had a problem with alcohol and I confronted him about what people were telling me was his social behavior based around the abuse and overuse of alcohol and then and at that time, you know, part of my journey is I, I was certainly drinking socially, uh, but never to excess. And he said to me these words, he was standing in my home and I confronted him after a leaders meeting. And he said, but you drink. But you drink. And right then I had to make a decision. Yes, I have the freedom. I believe I have the freedom. I had to make a decision right then and there on the spot. What was my going to be my response? Do I continue? He was using the fact that I believed that I had a freedom to consume alcohol on a social, non-excessive basis to justify his behavior. So I just stood there, thought for just a moment, and I said to him, well, now I don't. And I challenge you not to. And for the rest of that ministry, for the couple of years that I was pastor there, uh, for the next ministry of three years and the following ministry of seven years, for 12 years, not one drop of alcohol passed my lips because of the principle of the weaker brother. Was I doing anything to cause other people to stumble? If you're wondering, yes, I do have the odd red wine now or whatever it might be. I feel free to do that. But let me know if I'm causing you to stumble. <laughs> It's interesting that our movement, 
we just had communion and we had grape juice. Uh, in my Anglican days, if you know, uh, we used to have, there was port, about 17% port was put in the chalices. And often, therefore, you know, as, as was the practice, you would have to consume any leftover alcohol. And I tell you what, at Easter, if you had put out, you were, you were in faith, believing for 400 members. Hoping in the name of Jesus that you'd befill the building just by faith. You're going to fill up 12 chalices of 17% proof port. But it rained. Then you'd have to call upon about three other sober people to come and help you do that. That was just a part of the principle. They would consume the elements so that they would never be abused. About the turn of the century, about 1900, round about then, there was a big strong social movement in Australian society known as the temperance movement. The churches of Christ by volition because of the weaker brother principle of not wanting to lead anybody astray joined the temperance movement. And so it was normal. Many people understand this that are sitting here today. It was absolutely the normal, in fact the acceptable and often the only acceptable stance to take that you would never let the demon drink touch your mouth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Come on. Because I've worked in staff where it was absolutely, you were not, you, there was no permission. You were just simply not allowed. One staff I worked with, you're just simply not allowed to, at any stage, drink alcohol. And so I want to talk today about when we have a list of choices and we can argue on the one hand, I have the right to do this, I have the right to that. I want to challenge us to the higher road. I want to challenge us to, in life, make choices that are beneficial to people. To know that sometimes we have two choices and they may be very justifiable. That would be okay, but that would be okay. But this one is better because this one will build my brother or sister up. This choice will not cause them to stumble. And this choice will edify them. And so I want to talk about the principle of having freedom to take the higher road. Freedom of speech is a big issue at the moment in the Australian society, isn't it? Freedom of speech. It's a big deal whether you, how we exercise the freedom of speech. On the 7th of June, our government sat and had a marathon session and it decided that they would put a, a cordon of 150 metres around abortion clinics and not allow protesters uh, either verbally or non-verbally to go into that space and approach people who are approaching the clinic uh, for counselling or for termination of a pregnancy. And it was very interesting that in that, um, because they were deemed to be approaching it, it was viewed as harassment. It was very interesting that the Minister for Women in the government and the previous, who was a woman, and the previous Minister for Women, who was also a woman, both voted against the bill because they cited, it's really, yes, I understand the argument, they're saying women are being harassed and I'm the Minister of Women, but we have a big issue of the freedom of speech. Freedom of speech. Uh, and the way that they're, when they said what they were going to do and vote against that, it was reported in Channel 9 like this, but 9 News reported, and it talked about Tanya Davies, who voted against the uh, 150 metre perimeter. They said, but instead, Tanya Davies voted in favour of bullying and harassing people. 
That's how they interpreted the fact that she said no, and she did so because she said there were really serious issues in a democracy about freedom of speech and people expressing themselves in that way. And yet it's reported that she's voted for the harassment and the bullying of people. Hate and free speech is a big issue in our society. And I believe that we, you know, we may be free to say things. I believe that we need to take the high road. We need to say things and speak things that edify people, to build people up. We need to make choices that are for the good of our neighbour. The greatest threat to freedom is freedom. Uh, And freedom from, you know, he says freedom from and freedom to. Freedom from, yes, of course, now we're Christians. We're, We're free of the Jewish regulations. We're free from sacrifice. So your cat and your dog are safe. We're free from that ritual. We're free from circumcision as the sign of God, the physical manifestation of the sign of God's people. We're free from the temple and all its regulations and rituals. We're free from the food regulations of the Old Testament. So it's prawns and lobster and bacon for me. And of course, as it's been said, um, bacon is the gateway meat for vegetarians to change their ways and join the carnivorous society bacon look out if you're a vegetarian it's the gateway food free from any notions of striving that's what ben was speaking about last week we no longer need to strive for our salvation because it's been given to us as a grace by the lord jesus christ it has been offered freely we receive the gift freely we're no longer striving to somehow get in god's books and Turn the balance of the scales so much so that we we win the favour of God. We've given up on that. We've accepted the free gift of salvation. We're no longer striving to get God to love us because while we were sinners, he sent Jesus. He loved us while we were sinners. While we were enemies, he sent his one and only son to us. So we're free from the notion that we need to strive to impress God in order to be loved. He loves us just as the way we are. Yes, we could do with some panel beating. Hallelujah. Turn to the person next to you and say, that's a word for you. We can... <laughs> it's not in the script, Jess, if you're following my notes. You know, of course. But we're free from that. We're free from trying to be saved by works, trying to impress by God by our works. We're, we're, we're free from all of that. Free from striving in order to be free to serve God in grace. We're now free to serve the Lord without fear of retribution. Thank you, Robin, for sharing that word from Romans chapter 8, verse 1, that there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And so we now serve God not out of fear, but out of freedom. We are free, therefore we serve God. The primary motivation for the Christian life is gratitude. the primary motivation not fear not terror the primary motivation for the christian life is gratitude and we are free to serve god with grateful and overflowing hearts we're free to serve we're free from these things and we're free to serve with a tremendous list of freedoms that we have in jesus some people, of course, like to entrap the youth pastor and particularly the youth pastor. It's a tough job. 
They're saying, is it okay for the Christian to do this? That's a trap question because they're just looking to say, I want to have the right to do this. Is it okay for the Christian to do that? Or what should the Christian do here? And they're looking for us. How close can I drive my car to the edge and not fall over into the ravine of death? Right? How close can I go? So they ask these kind of questions. I think there is a higher form of questions. I have the right to do anything as long as it's not sin. I have the right to do anything as long as it's not sin. Yes, but the the, the problem, and if people object to that, of course, they say, and if it's you, if you have a problem with what I do, it's your problem. Heard that? You got a problem with what I'm doing? That's your problem, not my problem. Well, the Bible says it is our problem. Of course, we're called to take the higher road. We're called to take the road of love. We're called to take the road of edification. We're called to take the road of building others up. We're called to take the road of what is actually going. I'm going to take the choices that edify other people. I'm going to use my freedom of choice to make those choices that benefit those people around me, not just those things that benefit me. Freedom to take the higher road. Let's have a look at our text. Romans chapter 14. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean. I like that thought. All food is clean. But it is wrong. It is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble, even if it is technically allowable. It's better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother or your sister to fall. And then, of course, in the Corinthians reference, I have the right to do anything but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. And you might think, well, what is this eating and drinking? And what is the New Testament on about? Well, I talk to you about in, in the, when we come to the New Testament, it is full of people being converted from paganism. And as pagans, uh, they would worship idols. They would participate at temples dedicated to idols. And a part of their pagan worship was the offering of sacrifice to idols. So ingrained in them is the offering of meat to idols as a part of their pagan worship, which they're now desperately trying to overcome, desperately trying to change their ways and no longer being a part of that pagan sacrificing to animals and eating meat offered to idols as a part of their their journey. So let me read from this uh, book, this commentary by the great F.F. Bruce. I saw him lecture at college one day. It was awesome. Uh, When sacrificial animals were offered in temples, the deity received a token portion. When the priests and the temple attendants, pagan temple, of course, temple attendants could not use themselves, they would sell that meat in the meat market, 
where it would command a ready sale amongst the public because only the best animals were accepted for temple sacrifices. What were Christians to do on the occasion when they bought butchered meat? There was always the possibility that this meat bought in the meat market came from animals which had been offered to idols. And there was the feeling that this meat was somehow contaminated by the association so that anyone who ate it would be infected with this kind of idolatry. Over and against those members of the church who had sensitivities on this matter, the weak, as Paul calls them, uh, the strong ones would poo-poo them and say such consciences are weak. We are fortified by knowledge and therefore we can eat. And so there's this obvious thing that the idols are just nothing. They're just pieces of wood and offering it to an idol is nothing. And so people say, what's your problem? It's ridiculous. Meat was offered to a lump of wood. It's no big deal. It is a big deal for those people whose whole part and parcel was caught up in the offering of sacrifice to pagan idols and it was a part of their belief system and a part of that can you see and so what paul is saying okay you can stand on your high horses and say your knowledge your superior knowledge of how things really working say i'm free to eat the meat i will certainly eat the meat i can do that but if you're doing that and you're dealing with somebody that's from a background a background of paganism where sacrificing to pagan gods and them participating in the eating of meats sacrificed to pagan gods is a huge issue from which they're running a 100 miles an hour in reverse gear. Just use your freedom not to cause them to stumble in their life. Let me give you some examples. If you're trying to have a relationship with someone who is a vegan and an animal welfare activist and you bring them around for a barbecue... To build relationship with them. And they got their piece of tofu. I'm not even sure what that is. It's something. I don't know what that is. It's a bean thing, is it? Is it bean? Bean curd. Yep. And there you are on your medium rare, one inch thick piece of steak. And you're chewing on it. And then the juices are starting to flow down the corners of your mouth. This is not a helpful relationship building activity. It's probably better to eat tofu. Hallelujah. Can I have some tofu? I'm in. (laughs) Can you understand that? Obviously, because they have a moral high ground here, they actually think it's a major problem for them to bring them over to your meat and, and just feast on a carnivorous festival of meat and blood and sinew is not going to be very constructive to relationship if you bring somebody over and you know they have had a history of alcohol and you could rightly argue rightly argue well we're freedom we're free from these things and as long as i'm not getting drunk that's okay and we know that somebody has had a history of these things and we just ply the table, we set the table out with all kinds of, you know, alcoholic beverages because we're free to. But we know that our brother or our sisters had a really tough, tough journey in that. Is it loving or unloving? 
should we not use our freedom in those kinds of circumstances to limit it and bring on apple cider or whatever else that we might do? Just a thought. Say you're trying to reach out to your Muslim next-door neighbour. Okay? So your Muslim next-door neighbour, you want to want to build a relationship with them. Say, well, let's do breakfast together as a family. You say, I have got... I have virtually got a whole side of bacon that we're going to get into. And, of course, that is going to be a major, major problem for your, for your Muslim neighbour. And so you might say, well, I'm free to eat bacon. Well, we probably are free to eat bacon. What is the most constructive thing to do? What's the best use of your freedom of choice? What is the thing that's going to edify another person? What is the higher road for the benefit of other people? We need to take the higher road when there are options and it involves other people. There's a whole section of the modern Christian men's movement. I have a slight issue with it, of course, as you can tell by my tone. Where men sit around fires and drinking whiskey and port and smoking cigars and acting kind of like native, really, and primal kind of people. Uh, major issue for me is someone who's got both parents dead from smoking and whose family life was terrorised by alcoholic violence in my own home, terrorised as children by my stepfather's violent, alcohol fueled rampages that lasted until the day my mother died and ended in massive outbreaks of violence in our home fueled by alcohol and then burying my mother then burying my father in, in succession because of cigarette smoking and people use their freedom to sit around fires and go you know or whatever they do i don't know i'm the more of the latte guy i think i'd rather have a latte and keep my nails nice i'm not sure <laughs> bothers me and i was in a christian retreat group with a bunch of guys and uh, I went to one of these retreats and they were very free in Christ to be free and to act free and do all those sort of things. I was so disturbed by the behaviour after our first retreat that I quit and never back. That's in my time as pastor here. I was so perturbed by the freedom of behaviour that I saw pastors, pastors in our movement, exercising, I was so disturbed by it uh, that I just simply, I just simply quit and said, "No, I'm not coming back. I'm for me. The way that things went, uh, and they have the freedom, the right to do anything. A major stumbling block for me. Major stumbling block. Major stumbling block." All right. Let's read these scriptures. These are some summary scriptures. Freedom from and freedom to. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Each one of us should please our neighbours for their good and to build them up. Well, you might say, well, I have the right to do anything as long as it's not a sin. Well, perhaps so. 
But God calls us to use our freedom to take the higher road, to choose to build people up, to choose to edify people, to choose to seek their good. My challenge is for you and for me, will we take the higher road?